Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, send it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Radio Detectives, and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Before we get started, I do want to let you know today's program is brought to you by the financial support of our listeners, and I especially want to thank Eileen so much for her support. We'll send access to the premium site as we do with all donations of $7 or more, and you can support the show at support.greatdetectives.net. Well, now it's time for us to go ahead and uh, take a listen to an episode of Pursuit. There were seven missing episodes between last week's show and this week's. So here from April 11th of 1950 is Pursuit and the Man Who Confessed. A criminal strikes and fades quickly back into the shadows of his own dark world. And then, the man from Scotland Yard. The dangerous, relentless pursuit. When man hunts man. Now, with Ted DeCorsia starred as the famous Inspector Peter Black of Scotland Yard, we bring you tonight's story of violence and murder. Pursuit and the man who confessed. Yes, sir? Oh, uh, good morning, Muffet. Morning, sir. Would you step in for a moment? Right, sir. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Moffat. Everything quiet last night, sir. Good. I um I heard a rather good one last night. Really, sir? Yes. Uh, those flying saucer thingamabobs. Yes, sir. Know what they really are? Uh, no, sir. <laughs> well, Moffat, they're the the horseshoes from the riders in the sky. <laughs> really, sir? Horseshoes, Moffat. You know that American song. Riders in the sky. Horseshoes. Very good, sir. I rather thought so. Now, uh, did you see this memorandum from Burglary? Yes, sir. I put it on your desk. Oh, well, uh, take care of it, will you? Uh, tell Foster to put a couple of men on watch tonight. I don't think it'll amount to anything. Quite you are, sir. Yes, yes. Inspector, this is Mr. Ross. Came in about five minutes ago. I think you'd better speak to him, sir. Uh, all right, Sergeant. Yes, Mr. Ross, what can I do for you? 
There's nothing you can do for me now, Inspector. I killed a woman last night, and I've come to give myself up. Will you say that again? I killed a woman in my house last night. You'll find her there, 31 Cricklewood Lane. Why didn't you report it last night? I don't know. I've been walking most of the time, trying to think. How did you kill her, Mr. Ross? I choked her. Why did you kill her? There'd been an argument. That's all. Her name is... Selina. Selina Graham. All right, Mr. Ross. If you don't mind, we'll run out to your house. I don't want to go back there. I've done it. I've told the police. Now let's get it over with. All in due time. After you, sir. Moffat and I took the haggard Mr. Ross to the house in Cricklewood Lane in our car. We sat throughout the entire trip, staring numbly through the window. I asked him no questions and he proffered no further information. Criminal Records Office has an extensive file devoted to men and women who have killed, usually in passion, and subsequently given themselves up. But more than a simple confession is necessary. It was our duty to examine the scene of the crime and then proceed with the formal charge of murder. Thirty-one Cricklewood Lane was a pleasant little house set apart some hundred and fifty feet from its nearest neighbor. I noted that the window shades were drawn. Mr. Ross reached into his pocket for his latchkey, unlocked the door, and we went inside. Your uh, telephone, Mr. Ross. Yes, I know. Well, don't you think you'd better answer it? Why should I? Very well. Mr. Ross? She's through there. Uh, stay here with him, Marty. Right, sir. Hmm. Mm-hmm. How did you say you killed her, Mr. Ross? I told you. With my hands. And when was this? Last night. I suppose it was about eight o'clock. I can't remember. Now, can we go? I'm afraid not. Uh, would you step inside, please? No. I shall have to insist. I won't. I told you I killed her, and that's enough. You can't force me to look at her again. You won't have to, Mr. Ross. She's not there. She's not there? Not there, sir? No. A girl has been here. I found lip rouge on the hand towel in the lavatory. She's dead. I know she's dead. You must believe me. Assuming that you did kill her, Mr. Ross, how soon afterward did you leave the house? I don't know. I don't know what I did. What's the use of all this? There's the question of a body, Mr. Ross. I don't know what happened. All I know is that I killed her and I'll pay for it. I can't stand it here any longer. Take me away. It was rather an odd situation. I found it hard to disbelieve Randall Ross's statement, yet... There were several aspects to the case that were, to say the least, puzzling. After he'd been remanded into custody upon his own insistence and ours, Moffat and I started for the Hotel Empire, which Mr. Ross had given as the residence of Miss Selina Graham. You see, Moffat, if the man is telling the truth, we're in quite a predicament. That had occurred to me, sir. The body, Moffat. If there is one, sir. You think it a delusion on his part? 
Hartford. Hartford, sir. It's happened before. Yes, I know. That's annoying, too. But assuming that it's not an illusion, could someone have come in and uh, taken the body after Mr. Ross had run from the house? Possibly to protect him? Rather a grisly thought, sir, but aren't you forgetting that the door was locked when we went in? And that Mr. Ross had the key? No, you're quite right, Moffat. Thank you, sir. Which brings up another point. Would a man of Ross's obviously unsettled temperament kill, then methodically obliterate all signs of possible struggle, extinguish the lights, lock the door, and then allegedly walk the streets all night in a funk before coming in to confess the deed? A bit contradictory, sir. He may have done all that, but where's the body? Yes, and he may not have done all that, Moffat. In which case, we return to your theory. Delusion. Yes, sir. Well, uh, here it is, sir. Oh. The Empire. A bit run down, sir. That is treason, Martin. Come along. Yes, sir. So I says, I'll take five bob on Arsenal over Southampton. And you know what he says? He says, I want odds. Cool, what cheap? Oh, oh, I'll ring the right back, Bert. <clears throat> Morning, gentlemen. With or without? Neither, thank you. Is Miss Selena Graham staying here? That's right. Would you see if she's in, please? All right. Who shall I say is calling? Chief Inspector Black, Scotland Yard. Oh, well, you must know my brother-in-law. He's on the force. Police Constable Smithers. I don't believe I do know him. Uh, do you, Moffat? No, sir. Uh, well, you will, right, lad. You'll be commissioner one of these days. Mark my word. Uh, I shall have to keep my eye on him, then. Hmm. That's funny. No answer. When did you last see her, Mr... Uh, the name is Welk. It was, um, day before yesterday. I was off myself yesterday. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. The night man left a note about her. I remember, but where did I put it? Oh, here it is, here it is. Well, you're too late. She paid her bill and left last evening at six o'clock. Did she leave her new address, Mr. Welk? Can't say that she did. They often forget and ring us later. If she does, do you want me to tell Police Constable Smithers? Extremely good of you, Mr. Welk, but I'd rather you notified me. Oh, uh, all right. Thank you very much. Well, Muffet, at least we know one thing. There is or was a Miss Selina Graham. See what you can find out about her here. I'm going back to the yard. Has he asked to see anyone, Constable? No, sir. Quite as a mouse. There was his brother and uh, Miss Hayes, Dr. Lewis, here. But he wouldn't see them. All right, Constable. Thank you. Cigarette, Mr. Ross? No. You don't mind? Why did Miss Graham leave her hotel last night? I don't know. Uh, when did you meet her? She came over at seven o'clock. Did she have any luggage with her? No. What did you argue about? What does it matter? It matters a great deal, Mr. Ross. Let me alone. I've told you what you want to know. She's dead. I murdered her. Where was Miss Graham employed? I'm not going to tell you. You are not helping yourself, sir, with this attitude. I don't want to. I want to be hanged, and that's all. Now get out and let me alone. Constable. Yes, sir. 
I think perhaps that you'd better relieve Mr. Ross of his tie, belt, and shoelaces. Oh, sir. Think he might try? I'm not sure, but we'll take no chances. I left the detention room and the brooding enigma of Mr. Ross and returned to my office. There were three people waiting for me. Mr. Michael Ross, four or five years older than his brother, but bearing a marked resemblance. Miss Myra Hayes, whom I learned was the suspect's fiancée. And a man from Harley Street, for whom I held a great respect. The noted psychiatrist, Dr. James Lewis. He won't see me, Inspector. He won't speak to any of us. He couldn't have done it. I can't believe that he even knew the girl. He's admitted to both facts, sir. And at this point, I have no choice but to either prove or disprove his confession. Disprove, Inspector? Are you entertaining the thought of fantasy? We have weighed that possibility, Doctor. Do you mean that Randall imagined he killed someone? It's a possibility. Then that must be it. Because there was no girl. I know, you see. We're to be married in two weeks, Inspector. He's very much in love with me. As I am with him. She's right. I'm his brother. I know he would have told me. We were very close. Did any one of you see him last night? I know. I... I spoke to him on the telephone. At what time? It must have been a little past eight. Oh? I rang him at home. We speak to each other every night. I wanted to go to him. He sounded upset. But he told me not to. That's when I called you, Dr. Lewis. Yes, yes. And I, I told her, Inspector, that Randall was in a state of depression and had been for a few days. There was no need to worry uh, uh, Michael, Michael, be a good chap and take Myra out for a cup of tea, will you? There are a few things I'd like to discuss with the inspector. Why? Why can't I stay? Well, my dear, the, the things that I wish to say to the inspector are to help Randall. And if you remain, I shan't be able to say them. Oh, all right. I, I'm sorry. Very well, Doctor. Well, there was a girl. And I think there still is. Her name is Selina Graham. You know, of course, Doctor, you needn't divulge anything which has passed between you and your patient. No, no, I'm, uh, I'm aware of that. Um, what has he told you about her? Nothing beyond the fact that he killed her. Yes, yeah, perhaps he did, but not physically. What do you mean by that? Well, I, I shall put it as simply as possible. Um, Randall Ross, since childhood, has felt insecure and rejected. Well, the, the two people closest to him have only added to this feeling. His brother Michael, because Randall strove to emulate him and failed. And then uh, Myra Hayes, because she embodies the strength upon which he is so dependent. Then did Selina Graham fulfill his search for independence? For a time, yes, yes. He, he found her in South End. Oh, I'm not being a prig when I tell you that from his description, she's, she's lower class. Because that's exactly what he wanted. He, he could be accepted by someone who was his social and intellectual inferior. I see. And does she take the place of his fiancée? Oh, to the contrary. Once he'd found that he'd been accepted by her, he no longer desired her. And I knew that last week when he told me that he was going to break it off. And last night he did? Yes, yes. I think he did terminate the relationship, and in so doing, it was, to him, the end of a life. This was a critical period, remember. But Randall was gaining insight into a great many of the things that I'm telling you. You feel then, Doctor, that in the cutting of these ties, this fantasy of actual murder was created. 
Yes, I do. A fantasy strong enough to drive him here to confess to a crime he had never committed. Knowing the tremendous conflict taking place in his mind, I would say yes. But if, if I could see him, Inspector, I think I could prove it to you. Very well, Doctor, I shall take you to him. Inspector, Inspector Black. Oh, uh, just a moment, Doctor. Yes, Sergeant. Uh, reports just come in, sir. Oh. Well, Doctor, it seems that fantasy has given way to fact. Oh? The body of a woman was taken from the Thames early this morning. She has just been identified as Selina Graham. Pursuit. With Ted DeCossia starred as Inspector Peter Black, Pursuit and the man who confessed Continues in just a moment. The rock and chair lady, the gal that helped Bing Crosby land his first professional job, Mildred Bailey, will be to Bingle's special guest on the CBS show this Wednesday night. Bing and Mildred Bailey will talk over old times and do some duets and solos. And also on hand, you'll find that hot combination, the Firehouse 5 plus 2. Be sure you're listening this Wednesday when on most of these same CBS stations, the Bing Crosby show brings you Mildred Bailey and Bing in a nostalgic mood. Now, the second act of Pursuit and the Man Who Confessed. The discovery of Selena Graham's body had at last taken the case from the nebulous and given it substance. I left the startled psychiatrist to wait for me in my office and made my way to the province of the yard's pathologist, Dr. Bishop. Yes, Daphne. Yes, Daphne. No, Daphne. Definitely Daphne. Bye-bye, love. I say, Black, how nice. Uh, you're looking fit. Thank you, Doctor. Now, how's your wife? Uh, doing quite well, thank you. I'm glad. Um, have you had a chance to examine the body that was brought in this morning? Uh, my dear chap, which one? I've been simply deluged with them. Uh, taken from the Thames, a woman, uh, Selina Graham. Uh, Graham? Ah, yes, uh, here we are. Um, uh, uh, no, I haven't had a chance yet. Uh, one of your cases? Yes. Oh, splendid. I must get to it at once. I like your cases, Black. So interesting. Uh, shall we go? <laughs> Those marks on the throat. Not very pronounced, but uh, strangulation, I should say. Well, well. Hmm. Now, this may be something. Wristwatch? Yes. Stopped at approximately nine o'clock. So it did. You think that would establish time of death? Not necessarily. I'll take that, if I may. We'll have the physical lab go over it. Oh, all right. Uh, here we are. Anything else? I don't think so. Oh, yes, you might send a copy of your report in when you're finished, eh? Oh, love to. Uh, please give, give your sergeant Moffat my kindness. Did you uh, see us, Inspector? Not yet, Dr. Lewis. Uh, he'll be here in a moment. I saw the girl. She had been shot. The marks were there, all right. That's incredible. I know Ross so well. At least I, I thought I did. 
Possibly there's a bit of murder in every one of us that even a psychiatrist can't detect. That's true, and we often learn it too late. But, but, but look here, he said he killed the girl in the house. What was she doing in the Thames? I don't know. And his personality negates violence. I can't understand it unless... Yes, go on. Well, unless he were driven to it. Well, some threat that we know nothing about. However, from his statements concerning the girl, it hardly seems likely. Uh, she didn't sound the sort who would put up a fight at the party. Oh, here he is. Uh, come in. Right in here. Uh, thank you, Constable. Uh, wait here, please. You're very good, sir. Sit down, Mr. Ross. Hello, Randall. Have you anything to add to your confession, Mr. Ross? No. I think you have. We found Miss Graham's body. I want you to tell us how it got into the Thames. I don't know. Come now. I don't know. I killed her in the house. Then I ran out, that's all. Uh, may I, Inspector? Certainly. Uh, Randall, why did you quarrel with the girl? You know why. Because you told her you didn't want to see her again? Yes. That she didn't want the relationship to end? That's right. What did she say, Randall? It must have been very important to you. You know, you told me that you don't like physical violence. I don't. I hate it. But she wouldn't let me go. What do you mean? She said that she'd go to Myra and tell her. Ah. So you choked her because she made you feel no longer independent, hmm? Yes. But I didn't mean to kill her. I wanted to frighten her to show her that I was the stronger. I didn't know it was so easy to kill somebody that way. And then she fell and I, I ran out. Where did you run? I told you, I don't know. If, as you say, you walked the streets all night, you must have stopped somewhere. Uh, Randall, remember, you told me that when you were upset, you'd take a drink to try to calm yourself. Hmm? And yes, yes, perhaps I did. I think there may have been a pup. I can't remember. Let me alone, please let me alone. <laughs> Mr. Ross, where did you go? What was the name of that pup? I don't know. <laughs> yes. It was near the house. I ran. I was out of breath. Frightened. I needed a drink. Everybody was looking at me. Near your house. <laughs> All right. Constable. Yes, sir. Take Mr. Ross back, please. Very well, sir. Come along. He didn't kill her, Inspector. Choked her, yes, but... What if she regained consciousness? Then left the house, went to the river and threw herself in? But why not? The dream of rags to riches becomes a nightmare. Uh, she awakes to despair and then suicide. Theoretically, it's sound, Doctor, but according to your statistics, not likely. Statistics? <laughs> and what has that got to do with it? Miss Graham was wearing her coat and shoes. I have yet to see a woman suicide who didn't remove either one or both articles before the act. <laughs> Well, sir, no luck here. And so I gathered. The barman says there's another pub in the next square, the Fox and Hounds. Of course, Moffat, this might be a waste of time. It's entirely possible that Mr. Ross is an extremely clever young man who is playing a shrewd game. In what way, sir? Confessing to a murder which he swears was committed in his house in order to make the appearance of the body in the Thames a suicide. Seems to me it's going to be a bit difficult to make him change his story. Unless someone saw him throwing the girl into the river. Which is extremely doubtful. You know, sir, what puzzles me is... 
If he did plan it that way, why did he confess to the crime at all? Well, let's see if they can tell us anything at the Fox and Hounds. At the Fox and Hounds, we learned Randall Ross had been there at half past eight and had remained there for some 15 minutes. He was remembered because of his extreme agitation. The confessed killer had taken no pains to cover his tracks. When we returned to the yard, Dr. Bishop was waiting in my office with his report. I say, Black, this is delightful. How do you manage to do it? Do what, Doctor? Come up with these extraordinary cases of yours. It's miraculous. This girl was drowned. Drowned? Oh, yes, Sergeant Moffat. Drowned, so that's it. Dr. Bishop, is it possible that a state of unconsciousness could be mistaken by a layman for death? Uh, yes, uh, rare, but yes. Oh, yes, I see. That had puzzled me. Then it could be. Yes, yes. Uh, the condition of catalepsy is one. Another, although quite rare, would be carotid sinus syndrome. Ashen gray color, respiration very light, the pulse almost indistinguishable, heartbeat so slight. Certainly the layman stumbling upon such a sight would assume that death had taken place. Oh, yes, definitely. The choking before drowning could have brought about the state. I am indebted once again to you, Dr. Bishop. Ah, pleasure, Black. Any time, any time at all. Do let me know how you fare. Most interested. Does that do it, sir? I hope so, Muffet. You know, uh, Dr. Lewis, this is Inspector Blank. Yes. I wonder if you'd be good enough to call at my office. Splendid. Yes, it does concern him. Oh, oh, and I wish you'd get in touch with Mr. Michael Ross and Miss Hayes. Yes, I'd like to see them, too. Thanks very much. I've called you here to explain my reason for withdrawing the charge of murder which was leveled at Mr. Randall Ross. Mike, I knew he couldn't have done it. He didn't kill her. I uh, have a rather tragic story to tell you. A tragic story, Inspector? Yes, Doctor. We know that Mr. Ross did choke Miss Graham. We also know that he ran from the house in a state of extreme shock. In that shock, he did not extinguish the lights or even close the door behind him, let alone eradicate the signs of violence. But someone did. Oh, then she did recover and leave. No, Doctor. She was removed by someone who found her body and wanted to protect Mr. Ross. Someone who was very close to him and knew that he was troubled that night. But well, I knew that. Myra rang me to tell me that she'd spoken to him. I told you, Inspector. I wanted to go to him. He wouldn't let me. Exactly. You see, Mr. Ross reacted rather normally to a normal occurrence. The phone rang, and he answered it. That, Miss Hayes, was, in your own words, at a little past eight. I didn't lie to you. Ask Dr. Lewis. After the conversation, as I say, he ran from the house. We know that at 8.30, he was in a tavern. He remained there until quarter to nine. Selina Graham's watch stopped at nine. That was when she was drowned in the tempest. Drowned? Do you mean to... Do you mean to say that that... That 
is the tragedy. She was dead. She was. He must have been. I rang Michael. We were both worried about him. When we got there, she was lying in the bedroom. She was dead. She was. You and Michael took her from the house in Cricklewood Lane and thinking to protect Mr. Randall Ross threw her body in the Thames. And at the time, she was still alive. Don't keep saying that. It's not possible. There was no pulse, no heartbeat, nothing. There was water in her lungs. We didn't know. We didn't know. We didn't know. Had you left her where she was and called a doctor, she might have recovered. But you didn't. That is when the murder was committed. It is my duty to formally charge you with murder. To warn you that anything you might say will be taken down and given in evidence. So two people lost their independence for the sake of a man who had so long sought for his own and now would never find it. Pursuit. And the pursuit is ended. Pursuit is produced and directed by Elliot Lewis. And written by Gil Dowd and Anthony Ellis. Music was composed and conducted by Marlon Skiles. Featured in the cast were Raymond Lawrence, Jack Edwards, Joseph Kearns, William Johnstone, Alma Lawton, Ben Wright, and Alec Harford. Next week, with Ted DeCossia starring as Inspector Peter Black, Pursuit will bring you another dramatic story of the men from Scotland Yard relentlessly hunting down those whose disordered passions breed violence and murder. Another story of man hunting man when we bring you Pursuit. The fun is always fresh, fast, and furious when Groucho Marx takes over on CBS Wednesday nights with his quiz, You Bet Your Life. Groucho, the master of the ad-lib, teams up pairs of opposites and then goes to work with his quips and questions. Very, very solid with laughter, this Groucho Marx show. Hear it this Wednesday and every Wednesday on most of the same CBS stations. speaking. This is CBS, where Burns and Allen are every Wednesday night. The Columbia Broadcasting System. Welcome back. Well, this one would be, I think, a somewhat tricky legal case, I doubt that they would end up being charged with murder. A uh, slightly ironic ending here. This, by the way, does uh, conclude all of the Ted DeCorsia episodes we have of uh, Pursuit. And uh, after this uh, episode, there were three more in the program's initial run, followed by a four-episode summer run. And DeCorsia would leave... 
when CBS revived the series, they would have another actor in the lead role. So next week, join us as we begin the Ben Wright era on Pursuit. Tomorrow, join us for Pat Novak for Hire. In the meantime, if you have a comment and you'd like to leave a voicemail to be played on the airplane, call 208-991-4783. And uh, follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.